to the Roma Press Podcast with John Solano. Hello again and welcome back to another edition of the Roma Press Podcast. I hope you're all doing very, very well. And we are just two days, two days away from Roma's season opening fixture between the Gelarossi and Genoa. I hope everyone is just as excited as I am because I just cannot wait to put that nightmare of last season behind. That was dreadful. That was terrible. It was not fun even remotely. It looks like, at least on the surface, that Roma have upgraded, particularly at manager, particularly at the sporting director role. So there's a lot to be excited about. Before I bring on our guest, who is once again Bren from ChiesaDiTotti.com, I have to first make a mention of our wonderful patrons at Patreon. If you would like to get early access to the podcast, extra episodes of the podcast, please consider supporting us here at Roma Press and our efforts here, because none of this is possible without you by going to Patreon dot com slash Roma Press or go to the support page at the top of Roma Press dot net. And again, thank you to our wonderful, wonderful patrons at Patreon. And with the season here, I know a lot of you are playing fantasy football. And if you are one of those people, the place where you should be playing your league and playing fantasy couch show is with our great friends at Euro Fantasy League. If you go to EuroFantasyLeague.com, you can find a variety of online fantasy football games, including Serie A, La Liga, Premier League, Bundesliga, Ligue 1. And if you go to FantasySeria.com, you can get signed up today and start playing their Serie A fantasy football game. They've got the easiest gameplay, most up-to-date statistics. It's the absolute best platform to play fantasy football so please if you are playing fantasy football please consider supporting um, our our wonderful sponsors at eurofantasyleague.com so without any further ado let me bring on bren again as he and i discuss this weekend's fixture against genoa and we also discuss a little bit a little bit of the transfer market daniele rugani zapacosta all that good stuff and all the the latest rumors that are happening. So uh, here he is now, Bren of ChiesaDiTalti.com. All right, Bren is back with me. This match aside against Genoa, just sort of big picture-wise, what are some reasons that you or others should be optimistic about Roma? And then what are some reasons in your mind that you're maybe a bit pessimistic about how this season could go well that's uh coincidentally i said we just had a piece go up this morning about uh three reasons why things might go off the rails this year and then i'm finishing up one why i think that uh three reasons the club will exceed expectations um you know i never quite know <laughs> quite frankly what to expect when the season starts but i i definitely like what fonseca has done with the attack so i think that's my number one reason for optimism i just think that it's really just by coincidence or not, the people they had in place are sort of tailor-made for his tactics in a lot of ways. So I'm expecting some good things from Under, And I think if nothing else, Jekko should at least be able to do what he did last year in terms of facilitating things. Um, I'm still obviously still a little worried about the defense. I mean, they've been scouring the planet to find another defender with, you know, 48 hours before the season starts. So I think that's a concern. Um, but I, I, I think you have to like what he can do with the attacking talent. And I think we might see a lot of, you know, 
three to two or two to one games this year. I don't think there's going to be a ton of clean sheets. Um, but I just think the effect he's going to have on the forwards is going to give them enough firepower to sort of overcome those things. Uh, I guess in terms of what's going to go, what could potentially go wrong. Um, I mean, even though they didn't make, you know, 13 signings like they did last year, they're still incorporating some new talent in pretty important places. Um, particularly if you think with Mancini teaming up with either Fazio or Juan Jesus, they've never played together before. So that's a concern. And we just don't know about Paul Lopez, if he's going to hit the ground running, but um, all in all, I think my expectations are about where they were last year. I'm still expecting them to slug it out for fourth place. Um, I guess exactly what happens against Genoa, I, you know, I have no idea. I've been so focused on transfers and things like that. I haven't really sort of wrapped my mind around the actual match yet. Okay, so since your mind is on transfers, this entire Rugani saga has been very weird. First, they're very interested, then they're not. Then Roma, I, I can't even explain how or why. They want to throw... Uh, Cellar, Riccardi into the operation and pretty it's a pretty resounding no from, from the majority of supporters I don't know how you feel about this maybe you feel entirely different than me I, I wonder if Fonseca has actually watched a match in the last 365 days of Daniele Rugani because he was dreadful this past right. season and then when they asked Fonseca about the qualities that he wants in a defender, he said a veteran presence who is quick. Uh, that does not even mildly describe Daniele Rugani. Not quick even in the slightest case. Right. I mean, he's good on the ball, but I, are you just as shocked in their interest in him as I am? Because t- for me, it, it's it's crazy that they're this interested in him yeah i think what i it really dawned on me recently what i find sort of most ironic is that um when the rumors came around yesterday where they were going to include a couple of the young players people just sort of flipped out myself included and then if you take a minute to think about it it's just like people roma fans tend to overhype their own prospects for a variety of reasons but then it sort of struck me as that if juventus still thinks rugani is worth 40 million they're sort of doing the same thing they're overvaluing him thinking he's still the wonder kid who was in Empoli, but he's 25 years old. I know a lot of people say, well, he was stuck behind some legendary players, but they really have been pumping this kid up for years. And if he was really that good, he would have forced his way into it. And I sort of remember a conversation I had with um, Danny, who runs the uh, Juventus blog on our network um, years ago when the Pjanic thing was going down. And I was like, you think we could just do a swap for Rugani? And he was just so emphatic against it. He's like, no way, he's not worth that. Or, you know, Rugani's worth more than that. Um but I, I think, again, my initial reaction to it was I think back to um, outside of Rome, I'm a big Cubs fan, as most people know. And I remember years ago, probably 10 years ago, they were attracting uh, the second baseman, Brian Roberts, who was an all-star switch hitter. It's exactly what they needed to put them over the top, but they wouldn't hand over these two prospects, uh, Rich Hill and Felix P.A., neither of whom really mounted at anything. So I think it's when you take a step back, it's like taking a gamble on a known project is, a, you know, it's a better gamble than rolling the dice on an unproven kid who might a lot of hype, but not, might not have a lot of substance and might not live up to it. But obviously you don't know that until you pull the trigger. But again, in this instance, I don't think Rugani was really worth those two prospects. I think his sort of sheen has faded a bit. So I am pleased in the way that they pull out of it because there's no way they should have acquiesced to Juventus like that. I mean, his move to Monaco fell apart. And last year to Chelsea, where they're asking like 50 million. So all their attempts to leverage his hype, to leverage his sort of, um, I don't know, would be legendary stats hasn't really worked out. So they really have no leverage. So I think if nothing else, this is one instance in which Roma and Juventus run level pegging. So I'm glad that they didn't completely buckle and give them 30 million plus two outstanding players 
or potentially outstanding players. Yeah, I mean, there's still talk that Roma could come in with just cash, right, but yeah. I mean, doesn't it say something that Maurizio Sarri, who loved this guy during his time at Empoli, is just let, willing to let him go? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's an excellent point. I didn't even think of that. It, it, it's just astonishing to me that Roma would be pushing so hard for this guy. And really, the only worrying thing for me is it doesn't really seem like they have a plan B. It's it really no. seems like all of their eggs are in this basket, and yeah, it's entirely worrying that now maybe they know something we don't. I just sure. I, I don't see it with him. I I, I really don't. I, I watched him a ton last season, and he was genuinely terrible. They brought in Demiral <laughs> from Sassuolo, and he, yeah. I mean, far stronger player, and now Rugani is more or less the fifth option for them. So, to me, it makes no sense going all out for him. And the, the thing that I can understand maybe bothers people to an extent about this is, you know, if they're willing to pay this much, why wouldn't you have just gone for Aldevarold at that point, right? Yeah, it, 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 it's, it makes no sense at all. I mean, I'd be fine with taking a flyer on him if they could just got him for like a dry loan or whatever. It's worth, you know, taking a shot. It's worth experimenting with him. But, yeah, they just... They have no, you know, Juventus has all the incentive to sell. So I'm glad that, like I said, they didn't buckle. But, um, I mean, like you said, he's just not the final piece that would put them over the top. So I don't really think they should have exceeded their limit, so to speak. Um, but, yeah, I don't know who else. There was Alder Wild. I Yeah, I can't say that guy's name, nor can I spell it. So in a way, I'm glad I didn't get him. Uh, but, I mean, there was, what, Izzo and then uh, Petzela and this guy from Argentina. Um, so, yeah, I have no idea. I feel like they've had really good luck recruiting center backs from, you know, Marquinhos to Benatia to Manolas. And now it's just like, okay, what do we do? <laughs> so, I mean, they can't even fall back on the, oh, we can turn De Rossi into a center back thing anymore. Yeah, I, so, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, I've been I've been shouting for Nkulu this whole time, but then he went and embarrassed yeah. himself um, against Wolves last night in an astonishing fashion. So now I look like an imbecile for even saying his name. Um <laughs> But sort of moving away from the market just for a moment here, they face Genoa this weekend. And I don't know about you, but I look at Roma's first eight to ten fixtures, and I think this is an incredibly kind calendar. Other than the Derby, then they, they also have Milan. I feel like this is a very kind opening two and a half, three months. Now... Where are your expectations during this, or I should say, for this first match? I, you know, I was feeling pretty good coming into it. And then I look for all the newspapers and all the websites to put out the probable formations. Mm -hmm. And I sort of wept in the fetal position when I looked at the defense. Juan Jesus, Fazio, Florenzi. I know it's only Genoa, but still. Just speaking about this match in particular... Are you worried that they could actually drop points? Sure. I think you always have to worry about that, right? Um, but, you know, I, I was looking at the same thing. You I peruse those every once in a while. And we have our own one coming up soon. But um, I, what I, from what I read, I understand Lopez might be the only new signing there. So, I mean, at least there's some general familiarity that should at least, if nothing else, keep their, you know, their heads above water. But, um, yeah, I mean, the defense... I think that's just going to be something we're going to have to deal with all year. So you just have to hope that they outscore their opponents. Um, yeah, I, I guess we're lucky in a way that is a bit of a, a soft start to begin with, but you don't want to jinx yourself. 
Uh, I, you know, like I said, I wouldn't be shocked if this thing turned out to be like three to two, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm sensing a lot of those, but, um, I don't, this will be my, my, I don't pay like completely wrapped attention to the preseason. So I'll be, uh, excited to see what Mancini can do back there, uh, or Mancini, excuse me. Um, it'll be a three to two match. That's my guess. Yeah. I, I still think the defense is worrying. I still think they have to bring somebody in. It remains to be seen who that could be now. Just talking more big picture again, you said that they can fight for the fourth place. Do you think they've dramatically improved from the past season during the summer? Do you think they've gotten rid of and brought in the right names? And then also, do you think, because part of me, part of me is maybe I'm under this illusion and I'm delusional for thinking so, but part of me thinks, okay, even if they had played similar to how they did last season, I feel like Paul Lopez just being in between the posts, that probably gets them into the Champions League last season. So maybe, I feel like at least to an extent, people might be over-exaggerating how bad they were last season. They were bad. Um, but I actually think with a semi-decent goalkeeper, they're probably in the Champions League at this point. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. And I, I can also think of quite a few shots that hit the woodwork and things like that. So, I mean, any given season, there's going to be little tweaks like that. Um, but, yeah, I think you're right. I think what we can hang our hat on is that the purchases that it did make seemed to fulfill a specific role and had a specific purpose, and they seemed to really fit what Fonseca was trying to do. So that does give me some hope. Um, I also just think, I mean, particularly with Florenzi, I don't really have a problem with him. I don't really have as much an issue with him as many people seem to. Um, I also think about, especially Juan J. Seuss, I just think, uh, you know, when he came and how upset people were. But I think if you look at the balance, he's worked out as a pretty decent signing considering what they paid for him. I mean, also considering how bad we thought it would go. Sure. So, I mean, having him back there is not the worst thing. He's like a good utility player. Um, so I, I think they will squeak by against General, but I think you're right. Having an upgrade from Olsen and goal really sort of puts them back at least at neutral. And so if we, when we started the season last year, I don't think anyone thought, you know, sixth place. I thought, you know, third or fourth. So I think that having the pieces still there and having a coach who can make better use of them, I think does put us off to a good start, despite the fact that they hadn't found that second central defender yet. Okay. Now, do you like, speaking of Florenzi, do you like the acquisition of Zeppa Costa? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's only six months and it's, I, I'm just sort of like shrug my shoulders. I'm like, he's, you know, lateral at best from Florenzi. Um, but I think like what everyone says, if he, if Zappacosta can start and they can push Florenzi forward, either in the midfield or at the wing, I think that's certainly exciting because I think, um, he plays really well there because he's such an intuitive player and he seems to rise to the big occasions. So he might not be, you know, like a Ronaldo or Arnon Robin or someone out there, but he's a, he's a decent winger who makes plays. So I just feel like he's someone who's always going to force his way into the lineup. Um, so having another option where they can push Florenzi into a role where he might be a little more suitable, uh, as a, a holistic in a holistic sense because I know as a fullback he's not so good defensively but he's no. you know decent enough at, at generating plays so I feel like if they can put him somewhere where he's his positives are more uh, apparent I guess would be a good thing okay so going back real quick to the match against Genoa if you're looking at the probable formations almost every single one that I looked at it has uh, Pellegrini in that uh, that Mediano role right next to Cristante are you okay mm -hmm. with him playing in that role this season, or do you want to see him more behind the striker? 
I I mean, for me, it was very clear last season he had his breakout in the derby against Lazio when he was playing in that role. But obviously with Zaniolo healthy and fit, it's difficult to see him unseating him for that. Right. So, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. He he just looks like he should be more of um, a creator, more of an attacking player. But, you know, Zaniolo, Zaniolo, same thing. Um, They're both just sort of in a way, almost defy sort of a uh, position or a label. Um, but I, I do think Pellegrini's better push forward. I think that's where his final pass is, his quick touch game, I think is um, better suited to the attack. I think it makes the attack better, but you're right. It's just, in a way, it's a good problem to have. You have these two players who fill similar roles. Um, maybe Pellegrini, I, th- I just think they have a luxury that you can push Pellegrini back, but when you put Zaniel out to the wing, He's not quite as effective. So I think it's a good problem to have. I just hope that they get consistent minutes. But I would agree Pellegrini should be further up the pitch. I want to talk about one more thing. So we talked about Monchi a little bit on the previous podcast. Um, A report just came out. Chorich looks like he is on his way out to a second division Spanish side. So if we just go down the list from last summer, Robin Uh Olsen is likely to be gone. Karsdorp. Right. Now, Karsdorp is going to be gone. Uh, Marcano, right, Marcano, gone. Santon is going to be gone. Bianda, he's going to go on loan. Um, Chorich on his way out. Inzonzi, gone. <laughs> I, I mean, how do you even describe that? I, I, I mean, that seems like it should be a yeah. crime. It sounds really bad when you list them one after another like that. Yeah, I really... I have no idea what they was doing. It seems like they just gave him, you know, a carte blanche and he just sort of was picking and choosing. I don't really know. I struggle. It's like some of the picks or some of the signings he made seemed like, okay, they're really going to punt the season and go for rebuilding. But then they turn around and spend $30 million on a, at the time, a 29 year old defensive midfielder, which I was like, that just doesn't really jive with what they're saying. Uh, I have no idea. It seems like the minute he signed back with Sevilla, you saw all these articles lauding him again. So I'm like, <laughs> Okay, but not with us. In fact, he really sort of screwed us. Right. It might set us back a few years. I mean, they've done a lot of things in the market this year, but it seems like from what I read and when I pick up, um, you know, if there's no Champions League next year, it could be a an ugly, ugly uh, fire sale. So I, I don't know what the hell he did. Maybe it was a Manchurian candidate sent to destroy him. Hey, that might be know. right. Um, because Javier Pastore. Uh, yeah, we didn't even mention him. I either. mean, I didn't even bring him up, but this has to be said. So he gave this huge interview in June saying he's healthy. He's never felt better. Mm -hmm. Um, He's been injured for the last three weeks. Where does choosing him over Zayek rank for you in terms of crimes against humanity? Because for me, it has to be pretty high up there. Yeah. Yeah. Zayek, Zayek, how do we say that one? I just say Zayek. I don't know. That's a great question. All right. Yeah, I think it was... I remember I've written about him so many times. I feel like it was almost two summers they were tracking. And I remember writing one. It's like, oh, he's coming on Monday. It's going to be wrapped up. And then it's like, wait, wait a minute. And they brought Pastoria, which was exciting because you think about your Serie A fan, your mind immediately goes back to his Palermo days. And it was exciting. And he was only 29. And he's not really a guy who was predicated on speed and athleticism. So I thought, you know, he might be in a little bit like Tati where he can just sort of age gracefully based on his pure skill. But it was just a complete disaster. And I think going back to our previous question, I think in a way, the fact that he was hurt so much did open the door for Pellegrini to get more playing time. Sure. 
Um, I, I wouldn't call that a blessing in disguise, but <laughs> I mean, committing, you know, $25, $30 million for players who are over 30 years old um, doesn't really jive with the sort of the youth oriented thing they were pumping up last year or this year. Sure. And I think they avoided that this year. So I think that's what we should be happy about. Uh, but yeah, he's been awful. <laughs> yeah, he has. So to end it here, you said at the top, you think they're going to fight for fourth. Um, it's it's abundantly clear that from a financial standpoint, Champions League means just about everything to this club and their financial sure. well-being. So do you think they ultimately do it? Do they finish top four this season? Oh, man. Um, this is the beauty I, because you yeah, make I, a prediction here and then everybody replays it and abuses you on Twitter. So Right. Um I think they will. I think okay. it's like I, I think we did a, a roundtable thing on the site, and I, I, uh, I should remember exactly what I wrote, but I don't. I just think it's going to be like last year. You're going to have three teams separated by maybe six or seven points. Uh, but I just, I just have a lot of faith that even though the defense might not be great, that what he's doing just plays so well to the talent in-house that I think they're going to score enough. It's going to be um, a tense and anxious season, but I think they will eke it out by outscoring their opponents however they can. I mean, they're probably going to leak a lot of goals, and I wouldn't expect it to be easy. But I do think when uh, push comes to shove, I think they'll grab it. Hmm. I certainly hope they do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hope, obviously, obviously, we all hope they do. Are you surprised, real quick, that, because just about every City App preview I've been reading, they have Milan, I, I can't recall one, that had Roma ahead of Milan, and maybe this is the, the supporter side of us coming out, but... Sure. Do you think Milan have improved? Because I, I just don't see it. I really don't. Uh, well, I think they're – I like the um, – you know, it's funny. I, I uh, After I was on your last pod, I got all these like, criticisms about my pronunciations, and I sort of realized, <laughs> I'm like, these names and these teams only exist to me in, like, reading and writing because I just type it out. So in my head, I have certain pronunciations. The, the names um, don't exist unless you put the accent on them. Come on. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm obviously Italian by blood, but I studied Spanish. So, I mean, you know, whatever, I get by. Uh, but I think Milan has the one thing we don't, which is sort of a, an elite goal scorer in Piontek. So I think that um, gives them an advantage. Uh, I really did like the, so this is why I said pronunciation, the Benacer, Benacer, I don't know how you say it. I don't know either. Yeah, I think that was a sort of a good under-the-radar signing. Um, but I, I think they're... They're a lot very similar to Roma in a way. Like they never seem to do as well as their fans think or hope. Um, quite frankly, I wouldn't be shocked if we're the ones doing if they're the ones doing it out with us for fourth place. Because um, I mean, it's I mean, I think we could probably agree that's going to be Juve and Napoli one two, right? And then probably you'd have to tip Inter for that third spot, which I think would leave fourth. Is just going to be a dogfight between Roma and Milan, and maybe I don't even know who else. Maybe Atalanta. I don't know. But, um, no, I don't think Milan's leaps and bounds ahead of Roma. Not at all. They just have that that one asset that we don't in Piontek if he can um, do that again. Okay. And la- I promise, last one here. Who Who is the guy, who is the one that the, the player you think sort of breaks out under Fonseca and for Roma this season? Um, I think it's got to be Under. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if he got a breakout because he was so good his first year. But, I mean, last year was just all those little sort of minor injuries stacking up on top of each other. We sort of forgot how good he was and just, you know, how athletic he was. And, I mean, he's an amazing, an amazing player. Uh, I know last year we sort of put up a, uh, as we tend to do, a sarcastic poll about which player would be sold first this <laughs> summer, in the summer of 2019. And he was like a runaway. Ah. Uh, so I, I do think we sort of, his injuries just sort of glossed over how good he was. And right. I think if he can sort of, 
uh, replicate any of the roles of the wide players that Fonseca had at Shakhtar. I think I, you know, I could easily see like a 12 goals, maybe nine or 10 assists season from him. So I think he's going to be huge. Uh, so I'm putting a lot of my hopes on their fourth place on him. I, I have to say though, I am so terrified if they don't qualify for the champions league, what next summer looks like. I mean, we thought this one could be bad and, and it didn't go nearly yeah. as bad as I thought it would. No, me neither. I mean, I don't even know where where to begin if this happens I, I'd again. Like say, I'd like to say we should get used to it because it's it's just the way it's been for God knows how long. But I don't know. I guess we fool ourselves into thinking it's going to be different every summer. They just, I guess, you just hope they they get enough money and they reinvest it well enough, uh, which they de- which they definitely did not do last summer. No, they certainly did not. So. That's where we're going to end it. Bren, thank you so, so much for joining. You're the best. We'll have to do this again. Yeah, thank you for having me anytime. As always, com. That's where you can read Bren and a host of other great writers and read some of the great content that they put out there. So that's where we're going to end this episode. As always, thank you so, so much for listening. If you could leave us a review, a rating on wherever you're listening to us, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google, it would be greatly, greatly appreciate it so we will keep our fingers crossed for the three points this weekend against genoa and hope that the generosi fonseca in his first appearance all come away victorious so andy and i will be back after the match and we will talk to you then as always thank you for listening ciao